This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. My name is Amanda Delheimer. This week we resume our regularly scheduled podcast release on the second and fourth Friday of each month. This week we bring you a story about the middle, the in-between, a place that might seem uninviting or even uninhabitable to a culture that so highly prizes belonging. But when stuck between us and them, it just might be possible to find and to nourish an eye. Speaking for the hopeful power of the middle ground, Second Story is proud to present Liz Gottman. The house I grew up in was my mom's childhood home. 3928 North St. Louis Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. The house next door is where my dad grew up. 3932 North St. Louis Avenue. When my parents eventually got married, they took down the fence between the backyards. When they got divorced, my half-sister bought the house for my dad and still raises her family there. One important thing to note, there is no 3930 North St. Louis Avenue. No building, house, or structure in between, as theoretical numerical logic should dictate. There is just a gangway and orange daylilies. There was a day when I realized this. A moment I saw the space in between the houses and realized that's who I was. I'm 3930. Laura speaks reassuringly. Let's end there and close out with some meditation. Laura is my therapist. <laughs> she continues, close your eyes. Take a moment to check in with your body and see if there are places where there is still discomfort. Acknowledge that discomfort. I follow along as I am used to, eyes closed. I uncross my legs and feel the weight of the soft cushioned love seat. I feel the pillows I place behind my back quietly eat, quietly support me. The after image of Laura framed by a comfortable armchair lurks under my eyelids. The smell of eucalyptus spearmint lotion and the sound of the white noise machine fill the room. Laura begins, remember your peaceful place. Imagine yourself walking there. Feel the sand start to settle beneath your feet and the sunlight on your skin. Hear the ocean waves softly brushing the shore. You see your hammock in the sun beneath the shady hut. Imagine yourself lying in that hammock. Breathe in and out, knowing you're safe. <clears throat> At this point, I've been in therapy for two months. I'm 22 years old. I came to her after anxiety had been keeping me from getting on the train to go to classes. After anxiety had begun to trigger my asthma and forced my mom to constantly reassure me that I was still breathing while her hands pressed a cold rag on the back of my neck. When anxiety had me curled up sobbing in my boyfriend's arms because I was sure that someone was going to shoot a gun outside his bedroom window and it was going to hit me and I was going to die. Laura and I were working on addressing where this feeling of being unsafe began. Anxiety is a cold, hard bitch. <laughs> Anxiety doesn't give a shit about what you had to do that day. It's like being tied down in Gulliver's Travels. The tiny people are your feelings, and the ropes are fire, and there are too many to tackle all at once, and the earth is telling you to die, but you can still feel the air above you, and all you do is try desperately to just keep breathing. My meditation place, <laughs> the beach, where she would guide me at the end of every session is where I stayed during a trip I took to the smallest of the Cayman Islands when I was 18. I spent most of my time there by myself 
in the sand I read and absorbed the natural peacefulness only a tiny island can provide. It would be the last time I felt safe. A week after we got back, the fight would happen. My mom holds her face with her hands. I had heard her yelling on the phone. She's breathing heavily. I don't want to talk about it. She looks at me, her wrinkled face, distorted eyes shining, enraged and hurt. I plead, Mom, what did Dad say? What happened? She fires back, unhinged. He said that you are nothing but a check he has to write. He doesn't want to be a part of your life anymore. She screamed it at me. Her unfiltered words hit me in the chest like a rubber hammer. The impact vibrates my body until the ground feels unsteady. She'll continue to cry harder, and I'll regret ever asking. My mom and dad were never supposed to be together. They lived next door to each other, got married to other people, had kids, got divorced and married each other. Then they got divorced from each other, but then got married again because I was born. I was the surprise baby they thought they should try and stay together for. My mom saw me as a gift and as an opportunity. My dad never wanted me, and he made that clear. When they got divorced again when I was young, my entire childhood was spent in between two families, between my dad and half-siblings on one side and my mom and half-siblings on the other. I was born alone between two pre-existing families, each with their own history, but we still felt like a unit. The night they got into the fight, she asked me to leave her alone, so I did. She gave me no specifics other than that my dad and half-siblings wanted nothing to do with us anymore. Didn't want to come to Christmas. Didn't want to talk on the phone. Didn't want to see me. After she told me, I sat in the grass of the backyard. It's late, and everything has a glaze of nighttime over it. The lilacs are in full bloom. The aromatic fumes cling to the moisture on my face. I'm alone again in nature like on the island, but this time it's much different. All of the thoughts race through. He didn't even want to talk to me. He couldn't tell me himself. I called my dad, my sister, my brother. No one was answering the phone. They could all just leave me that easily. What did I do wrong? I'm that easy to give up? Half of my family left me by choice. The chest hammer vibrations from before are picking up these little beliefs and putting them in different parts of my body, transporting them through my blood. I am unimportant. I am unworthy. I am not in control. I am unloved. I am unsafe. I will carry these feelings with me. I will hold them in my heart. I stare down the gangway between the houses. The solid exterior walls are combative with one another. Neither of them will yield nor bend. They will take their bricks of history, the mortar made of moments, and the lives built inside and keep them. Keep them from me, who is in the middle. I don't belong to either of them. Each have their doors locked. My mom's house has the blinds open so I can see inside so I can get glimpses of who she is, watch her take care of my other siblings, and feel the light of her love. My dad's house is dark and unforgiving. There are fewer windows. It is a fortress with a moat and snipers. We won't speak for six years. 
I hear a voice on the other end of the phone line. Hello, this is Laura. I choke up a bit before beginning. Hi, my name's Elizabeth, and my doctor recommended I see you. I think I have anxiety or something, and I've had it for a while now. I just, I don't know, my doctor recommended I call you and set up an appointment. I get it out and immediately feel like weeping. This is the single most important call I will make in my entire life. The first sessions are fucking terrifying, but over time, I learned to endure the work of self-care. Looking back now, Laura begins, what would you say to your 18-year-old self about what happened? The tender place in my chest pulses. I would tell her that it wasn't her fault that she didn't do anything wrong or anything to deserve them leaving. It's just something that happened that I, she, couldn't control. I would tell her that she's still loved and okay and safe and strong. Those tension points begin to dislodge. Where do you feel that in your body, she asks. Here. I say, anxiety is all the time, always. It's a lurker. It's the thing that floats between knowing you're safe and feeling you're not. It's an in-between place, like me. I have learned to accept anxiety too, that motherfucker. <laughs> Without it, I would have never discovered that self-love is real, and it's just as tangible in my body as anxiety is. I just had to find the balance. I've built a swing for myself between my parents' houses over time. One side holding each end of the swing up as I sit in the middle, 30 feet above the ground. I dangle my feet over and watch the daylilies dance in the breeze, smell the lilacs in the backyard, and listen to the sounds of the neighborhood humming in the background. Sometimes I swing too high and feel off balance, afraid I'll fall back into where I was before but it's my swing that I've built, my own support, my own love. Eventually, I want the swing to be a hammock, like the one from my island. I want the houses to turn into palm trees and the neighborhood hum to be ocean waves on the shore. I want to one day step out of that hammock and realize I can't fall anymore because the space in between has been filled with sand. Each grain a moment of self-care. I'm going to build it one grain of sand at a time. This story was curated by Julie Ganey, directed by C.P. Chang, with music and sound design by Carolyn Reynolds. The Second Story podcast is produced by Liv Oak. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Arts Work Fund for Organizational Development, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Amanda Delheimer, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.